Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, kind of like deja vu. All over again. Yes, Tom Dorian. Yes, uh, sir. Welcome. Glad you're Thank here. You. Thank you. Uh, Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. The Zigmeister. We're so glad you're here as well. Um, we always have to have somebody to whip up on, and that's that's your job. I love that. I know you do well at it, too. <laughs> you have such a good heart. It's different. It is. But anyway, uh, so we have a, we got an email. Yay! Just one. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> well, there's also an email from a uh, yeah, from a prince, you know, who needed to get uh, yeah. us to wire him a million dollars in order for him to uh, oh, give us the right. forty three million. Right. Yeah, that's, right. that's my basically that's my retirement plan, by the way. So I'm working on that is right now. For you? No, this one uh, is an email from Matthew. Uh, Love and that name. you know what? I don't know where Matthew's from. That's my oldest say, son's name, by the way. It's I not him. This. That's, this is not him. But. Well, it could be. <laughs> I don't think Hello, so. Hello, Deacon. I hate me my father. No, it could be. No, that's, that's not what it says. That was a softball. No, exactly. Thanks for giving me that. You're so welcome. here it is. Hello, Deacon. Peace be with you. My name is Matthew, and I have, for the past few months, been listening to the Catholic Cafe to learn more about our faith. I didn't know you could do that. That's awesome, by the way. Um, like some of your listeners, for some time I fell away from the faith. Not that I stopped believing, but rather I stopped participating and became distracted with secular life. Uh, I think this is partly because I was not educated as thoroughly in the faith as I could have been. I'm not sure that's always the reason. Sometimes it's, we're all, in, even in Catholic schools, if we're just not willing, right, if we're not receptive, right, right sometimes the answer is not more information, it's... You know, helping people to know Jesus. But anyway, um, he didn't write all that. I just said that. Um, so, but but Matthew goes on to say, so I have been attempting to remedy that lack of knowledge. Now, that part is wonderful. And is. what I always say is, if um, once you know Jesus, you want to know about Jesus. Right. right? And so that, that part is, a, I think, an important thing that we can all do, uh, is to learn more about our faith. And that's uh, that's a great thing. So, uh, one question, Matthew speaking again, one question I have for you is, in addition to Holy Scripture and the Catechism, what else would you recommend I read? In one of your broadcasts, you mentioned the early church fathers. Is there any particular one you would recommend that I start with? What about papal encyclicals? So, um, that's the first half of his email. So, our first half of this show, we're going to talk about the first half of his email. All right. And so, those are some good questions. First, I would say, first of all, Matthew, I'm excited for you. Just because you are like, you're like in this land of discovery now. Yeah. And knowing what things turned my light bulb on over my head, you know, bing, when that went on and how exciting that was to discover things. And really for me, it was really once I learned what to read and I started reading the right things because I was never a book guy mm-hmm. growing up. Right. I didn't, I read Cliff's Notes, I'm going to be honest with you. You mm-hmm. know, and, and the thing is, once I actually found something I wanted to read, mm-hmm. it just lit me on fire. And so I'm just actually excited that Matthew's going to start reading stuff because he's like, I want to read some stuff. he's there. Yeah, yeah. And he's looking into Church Fathers. And so there's actually a couple of good things that I would recommend. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of those, let's first talk about the Church Fathers and not the papal encyclicals. But um, one of the things that I read early on, which is not like, it's not in story form, and it's not really about Church Fathers, 
This is a, a three-volume set of translations uh, from a guy named William. It's William Jurgens, I think, J-U-R-G-E-N-S. But it might be Jurgens. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just doing my best with whatever Scandinavian. But J-U-R-G-E-N-S. Might. I wish they could have seen your face. <laughs> when I did the Jurgens. <laughs> you got to do your face in a certain way to get that sound out. But well, as funny as that may TV. sound... Um, there is a wonderful book, uh, set of books, three volumes, called Faith of the Early Fathers. And essentially what he's done is he's translated like snippets of early church father writings. So when you're reading this stuff, you're like amazed mm-hmm. of what these early church fathers were saying. It's a variety of different fathers. Mm-hmm. So this is a nice way to get a um, uh, sort of a, a, a large sampling, if you will, of early church fathers. And it's not just... The, the fathers themselves, but there's also documents that we aren't we don't attribute to a specific church father, like we don't know their name. Mm-hmm. But there's there's things like the Didache is uh, is there's pieces of that in there, and certainly there's Saint Ignatius of Antioch, and and there are other church fathers from the Saint Justin Martyr, um, and this is the first like I think 800 years of Christianity. There's three volumes that kind of go through this, and there's also a wonderful index. So if you write. If you're looking for something about Eucharist, you know, you can go in there and say, oh, see this translation of St. Justin Martyr or whatever. And and I just, I, that stuff is really neat. And so it, what it shows you mm-hmm. by its title, it's the faith of the early fathers. Right. And when you read that, you start going like, wait, they believed that then? Right. So so the, the, the Catholic Church is not a uh, sort of a modern invention or even a medieval invention. Right. You know, this is literally something that, was already going on and people were believing this in the first 100, 200 years of Christianity. Right. That's pretty powerful stuff. It's totally powerful. Right. And there's also another one uh, that I've read, uh, and I, I, I confess I haven't read the whole thing. I like to peruse. Mm-hmm. And so one of the books that I have perused and have come to like is The Fathers Know Best, and that's uh, by Jimmy Aiken. And so it's about early church fathers. And there's lots of books out there. If you just Google Early Church Fathers Catholic Compendium or, you know, compilation or, you know, samples or whatever, you're going to find tons of stuff. Your local Catholic bookstore can help you find some stuff. Also put the four witnesses on your list. So the four witnesses, uh, this is from Rod Bennett. Now Mm -hmm. tell me about... uh, uh, So it's about four of the Church Fathers. Uh I think it's Clement, Ignatius... Okay. Uh, you mentioned a, you mentioned a couple others. Justin Martyr. Justin Martyr. Who's the other one? I can't remember the other so one. So Clement and Ignatius would have been around the same time period, maybe. Justin exactly. Martyr was around 150 A.D. or so. Right. So maybe it's those. But what's cool about it is it's a very easy read, which I like easy. Yes. Uh, Football player. Uh, you know, you got to have as much easy as you can get. Right. It's a very easy read, but it's also written by a convert. And so it's kind of coming at it from the same place that this guy might be yeah. that Matthew might be in right now. So I think he's going to really enjoy that. Yeah, see that's 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 cool stuff uh, because yeah. again, it, when you read the early church fathers, mm-hmm. man, that is it's like it's, it's so, so it can be heavy. Yeah, well, but also it's nice to know that what we're doing right now, we've always been doing. Yeah. What we believe now. Years. And and that's like that's pretty cool yeah, to understand. Now amazing. I do know um, that usually we can turn to Sam at this point and he'll come up with some obscure saint that no one's ever heard of. Oh. <laughs> But he acts like we have. No, I'm, I'm teasing. I, I love – one of the reasons we love having you on the show, Sam, is you do bring with it – you love the saints. 
I do love the Saints. I know you do, and they love you, and that's beautiful. We try to high five each other you every know? once in a while. Every once in a while, you, during you, a rosary, you know, I'll, yeah. it looks like I'm just waving my hand in the air, but I'm literally <laughs> high fiving the Saints. <laughs> that's the way you look at it, huh? That's yeah. awesome. So, one of the things that came to mind was, uh, and actually, you had mentioned the word compendium. There is a compendium to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Yeah, and if you, uh, Matthew, are interested in really hunkering down and learning our faith and what it teaches and you want to start from the beginning with the the catechism and actually look at the footnotes yeah and see wait a second what early church father what's the source material a lot of times it's, it's scriptural but then a lot of times it's also early church fathers that's right taking the time to not just read the individual paragraph of the catechism but look at the footnote you open the compendium it has the, the whole relevant excerpt from that early church father and you can sit and you can read it and it contextualizes that teaching of the church uh, in accordance with the original writing of the father so that could it, it, it might make it a little bit easier for you to wrap your head around why am I sitting here reading this this old kind of archaic language? Right. Well, well, I'm reading it because I'm seeing I'm, I'm looking at the foundation of this teaching that's relevant to every age of the church, including now. And right. that's one of the powerful things about the catechism. Even though he'd listened, like, well, other than scripture and the catechism, it's like, well, don't just throw the catechism away yet. I mean, even, even if you've gone through it. Because you really are reading the Church Fathers when you read the Catechism. Well, and the same also, actually, for Scripture. St. Thomas Aquinas created something called the Catena Area back mm-hmm. in uh, the Middle Ages. And what he did was he went through the Gospels, and every single line from the Gospels or, or section uh, of, of the Gospels, he, he took... Uh, writings from the early church fathers and what they said about this or that scripture and how mm-hmm. they interpreted it. And sometimes, you know, you read something in the gospel and you're like, yeah. gosh, this looks really difficult. Why is Jesus saying that your eye is the lamp of the body? Exactly. And what does this mean? So the other thing I was going to add is, is uh, you know, I've, I've been to a few cantinas and I had margaritas. <laughs> that will help with your interpretation of the scriptures and the uh, early church fathers. But one's, one of the things neat, like, like his uh, uh, volumes, um, as well, it's like commentaries. Yes. So reading like old commentaries on the scriptures is it just elucidates and 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 it helps pull things out that you maybe not have even seen or realized. And the other thing to pay attention to is if you're looking at whether it's the Compendium of the Catholic Church or the Catena Aurea, which stands for Golden Chain, and you're you you might find yourself really connecting to this or that founding uh, I mean, early church fathers saying Irenaeus Augustine whoever it might yep. be you might they you, you might start seeing gosh I really see this scripture then, this. then you can go and seek out that father yes and find books because there are believe it or not thousands of extant uh, copies or whatever the variety of different places where you can actually find whole volumes of all of the writings Irenaeus of, of uh, St. Cyril of Jerusalem uh, St. Ignatius of Antioch, his letters. You you can see all of that. St. Augustine, you know, he's got several volumes. So you can read any of those church fathers. Um, some of them are more spiritually focused. Some are very doctrinal because there was a lot of teaching that was going on back then because you had all these new converts to the faith. So there's lots of different stuff. Just, you know, Google and be happy. And that's right. how you build a friendship with them and start high-fiving them. Absolutely. And you won't <laughs> look silly. Well, you may look silly, but you're, you know what? You're actually high-fiving a saint, and that's a beautiful, beautiful image. There now the papal encyclicals. You know what? Those are great too. Anything by uh, John Paul the Great, anything by Saint John Paul um, is is wonderful. You know, uh, Veritatis Splendor, um, Fides et Ratio, so the Splendor of Truth, Faith and Reason. Any of these documents that he's written as encyclicals, but then also any of the Council documents 
Uh, you know, you can read the stuff from um, uh, any of the most any of the councils. We have all of them all the way Council back. Council of to, Trent, right? Exactly. There's a, a wonderful the Catechism of the Council of Trent is a beautiful um, book as well. So there's lots of stuff. Just dig in, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's really good stuff. And I, I will say that. Uh, you know, just looking at some of the current encyclicals from, uh, you know, they've been in the news a lot. You know, uh, uh, Amoris Laetitia, you know, we hear about those and there may be some controversial stuff or whatever that some people have been talking about. You know what? Read it. Find out what it is that's controversial and, and what you think about it. And, and, you know, it's coming from the church and, and read with, uh, with the Holy Spirit as your guide. Yeah, where you're not you're not trying to making a list and checking off boxes. You're really letting the yeah. desires of your heart guide you through the process. And it sounds like his heart's in the right place. So Matthew, mm-hmm. really excited. Thanks for sending the email. We were, you know what? He's got more email coming, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna go and look at that um, when we uh, get back because we have to take a break. Before we uh, take that break, I want to remind folks at home we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Also, like us on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter. Like and share our co- posts and comment on them. It makes a difference. Do all those things. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bester Zemski. And this is another great moment in church history. Isabel Flores de Oliva was born to a large family in Lima, Peru in 1586. Even as a child, her holiness was apparent. It is said that a servant of the household once saw her face transformed into the likeness of a rose, hence her nickname, Rosa. At her confirmation at age 11, she took the name Rose. St. Rose knew at a very young age that God was calling her. Even as a teenager, she devoted herself to prayer and gave up many of the comforts of life in order to unite herself more fully to the suffering of Christ. Having read a biography of St. Catherine of Siena, she began to take her life of self-denial more and more seriously, even to the objections of her parents and friends. She first fasted three times a week, then offered a daily fast. This led her to abstain from meat and perpetuity. When she began to be admired for her beauty and devotion, she cut off her hair. If ever she doubted her path of suffering and self-denial, she was encouraged by visions, revelations, visitations, and comforting voices. She received the Eucharist daily, deriving from the Blessed Sacrament the grace and consolation to carry on. At the age of 20, St. Rose took a vow of virginity and joined the Dominicans. With permission of her order, she moved into a small grotto built in her parents' garden and lived there in a spirit of prayer and penance. While St. Rose spent much time in prayer, she still found time for acts of charity. She sought out the sick, the poor, and the forgotten in her community and brought them to her home to care for them. St. Rose never lost sight of the power and effectiveness of self-denial when it was offered up to God. Her entire life was a testament to the total, self-giving love demonstrated by Jesus' willingness to suffer for our sins. She wrote, Our Lord and Savior lifted up His voice and said with incomparable majesty, Let all men know that grace comes after tribulation. Let them know that without the burden of afflictions, it is impossible to reach the height of grace. Let them know that the gifts of grace increase as the struggles increase. Let men take care not to be stray and be deceived. 
This is the only true stairway to paradise, and without the cross, they can find no road to climb to heaven. St. Rose of Lima died in 1617 and was the first person born in the Americas to be canonized as a Catholic saint. Her feast day is August 23rd. I'm Bess Drozimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And I am Deacon Jeff, and we're in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe here with yes, Tom and Ziggy, and we are talking uh, with Matthew. I hope great Matthew name. is listening. It's a great name. Yeah, he wrote another thing. It's uh, the Bible or something. He was in one of the big writers of that thing. But uh, so Matthew's asking a couple of questions, uh, and the first one he was asking about uh, things to read. He wants to get deeper in his faith, and that's mm-hmm. that's that's really powerful. It is that you know, and th- what a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. So we had some suggestions there in terms of the faith of the early fathers and the fathers know best and the four witnesses and things like that that we suggested also. Um, listening and reading about the saints and uh, letting the Holy Spirit be your guide. So now he goes on in his email. My other question is regarding the Liturgy of the Hours. I would like to know more about it and how to begin to pray it. This is for two reasons. For some time I consider have considered a vocation to the priesthood, even to the point of spending time with the Oblates of St. Francis de Sales in retreat, meeting with novitiates and the formation director. However, this was not my calling, and I now have a family. I have still been I've still been feeling called to serve the church at this point. I've been wondering if I was being called to be a deacon or perhaps to the order of Malta as I'd never heard of it before you introduced it to me in your program to that end. Because the liturgy of the hours is required to be prayed by deacons, I think it would be important for me to know more about it. But also I think a regularly structured prayer life has been an important missing piece from my life and would help me to be closer to the Lord. I would appreciate any advice or resources you can direct me to. Thank you, Matthew. There you go. Um, so, uh, Tom, sum it up. What is the answer to Matthew? Yes. yes that's sorry. the first answer. There's two answers Oh, yes, me. and? And get, he needs to get some kind of a, um, an advisor or, or a spiritual, uh, director. spiritual director. There you go. I, Matthew, that's, that would be great for you. Yep. You need to find a good and holy Because he's kind of all, he's kind of all over the map. Well, he's got lots of questions. He does. Yeah, he I, th- does. I think because he's hungry, which is great. I mean, I think about times in my life. But sometimes when I'm, you can be so scattered. All of a sudden, you're just yeah. You get you're messed up even more. But what I, what I was getting ready to say was uh, before you rudely interrupted was I, I think that uh, <laughs> like when I, I think about myself when I'm physically hungry, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like uh, I start thinking like, well, steak. I want some steak. You know right. what? How about some bacon and eggs? And you start, like you start thinking about all this different stuff that would satisfy your hunger. Right. And so, in the same way, I think right now he's hungry for more he is. in his faith life in terms of, like, just more. I'm just He's a sponge right now. He is. Um, and so, a spiritual director mm-hmm. in the name, hence the name director, he can kind of help you, like, focus, right? Because yep. you're right. He's, he's scattered. It's in, and not in a bad way. No, it's a good way. It's just lots of, it's like shiny object syndrome. Ooh, that's pretty. Ooh, look at that. Ooh, look at that. You know, and, and it's a and there's that that moment of or that those times of wonderment. You know, right. everything is really cool looking. A spiritual director will be help you to kind of fine tune. Well, yeah. one of the reasons that a spiritual director is helpful and why it's important to kind of take things in a in that sort of systematic approach is 
you know, our spiritual walk is going to be a series of consolation and desolation moments, mm-hmm. right? Right now, it sounds like he's in a consolation moment. He's on fire with his face. So you're saying it's all getting ready to drop off a cliff. Well, Thanks. no. It's, Thanks for building up our <laughs> listeners. Well, the point is, <laughs> is that, <laughs> you know, he, he, it's important to take on, you know, disciplines and prayer and, and spiritual reading that even in a time of desolation, you'll have the strength to carry through and continue with, you know, mm-hmm. because that's all, ultimately the test is, how are, how are you going to be able to do it in the long term? And having an, a set of outside eyes right. look at you and get to know you and help oversee yeah. that discernment process can be really important. And that's the key, I think. And the reason why, uh, Matthew, we kind of went in this direction at this point is because it sounds like your whole your whole email to us is really about discernment. You're, you're, where is the Lord calling you and what is the Lord calling you to do? Um, and so a spiritual director will help you in that process. I mean, I'm not trying to duck the question about the liturgy of the hours. What is that, by the way? I'm just kidding. Um, so, and, and so we'll answer that question about the liturgy of the hours. But, yeah, you should. right? You, you should spend time with the liturgy of the hours. Uh, and just for the folks at home who need to know a little bit more about it, um, what, um, essentially it is the official prayer of the church. The fact that it's the word liturgy, uh, that comes from the Greek liturgia, which essentially just means like the public work. Mm-hmm. So the liturgy of the church is the public work of the church, right? And so uh, the mass is a liturgy, and so it's the public prayer of the church. That's one form of the public prayer. And then the same way, the liturgy of the hours is essentially, um, uh, you know, a a way in which we can uh, through the hours of the day mm-hmm. sort of bring yourself to prayer. Right. right to to solemnize to um, essentially pray through the day, and you know if you look in the scriptures and you see mentioned there of um, hours of the watch, you know the Roman soldiers they would have hours in which they watch, and where we know that um, Jesus died at the sixth hour of the watch. It's like at six o'clock. No, actually at three o'clock was when the sixth hour of the watch. So we see this, the liturgy, the prayer of the hours as we go through. And so there's this set, if you follow all of the hours, you know, morning prayer, evening prayer, but there's like mid-morning, second breakfast, whatever. There's all these different names. I'm not going to bore you with all the different names of all the different various prayers. But the point is, is throughout the day, from the moment you rise to the moment that you lay your head on your pillow, there's a sort of a rite, R-I-T-E, a liturgy, a prayer form that takes place. And depending on your level of a vow or dedication or ordination or where you are in your spiritual life, um, then some people are obligated. So priests are obligated. Deacons are obligated. A deacon is obligated in my diocese. We're obligated to do morning and evening prayer every day, mm-hmm. right? Priests, um, depending on their diocese, uh, uh, there's like five different hours that they could do. And so basically there is um, a book called a breviary, which is a breviary is the way it's kind of uh, spelled out, but the breviary. Uh, and uh, it's uh, uh, the book that contains the liturgy of the hours. But you can, you, again, just like you're, if you're going on a book buying spree for the early church fathers, go and buy a copy of the liturgy of the hours. It's the four-volume set. The full-volume set is four volumes. But then there's also one that's just called uh, Christian Prayer, and it's a shorter version of the Liturgy of the Hours. It's like a one-volume set that kind of does the same stuff, but in a shorter, doesn't have as many options to it. And then also there is shorter Christian Prayer, which is even smaller volume, where you can kind of get a taste for this. Uh, And basically it's a collection of uh, psalms, songs, uh, prayers, 
readings, antiphons that you go through every day, uh, responsorial things, where you go through every day uh, at various hours in your day, and you you pray with the universal church. So, like, all the priests, all the deacons, all the bishops, even the pope, they're all praying these prayers. So you're joining in those daily prayers, and it's set up on a four-week Psalter, a four-week collection of psalms and canticles that's in this volume. So that's a lot of like a lot of detail, and there's like a general instruction on how to do it at the beginning of the four-volume set that you can read. Um, and even at the the, the shorter Christian prayer is going to have a, a little how-to kind of a thing. And there's lots of guides to that. But I think what's important is that you're joining the prayer in church. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you're joining the church in prayer. Right. Right, we and, got it. Yeah, I, you figured that part out. We got you? it. Yep. Yeah. So that and, and that to me, um, you know, again, with a spiritual director helping along, ask them about how to pray the liturgy of the hours. You don't want to do this like you're checking off boxes. Mm-hmm. I climbed Mount Everest. You know, I got, I went, and had my dental cleaning, and I prayed the liturgy of the hours. I mean, that's, that's those just are words. Yeah. Right, and you might find that in your diocese there could be a priest who regularly, like on a weekly basis, for example, or possibly even daily, is doing a, a some sort of a, a liturgy for vespers or something like that, either mm-hmm. chanting them or with some other form of song, and that could be really great because you're able to do it in community with others who are oh, similarly and you, When you do it in choir like that, especially if a sung vespers, you know, you, if you go to some kind of abbey or a monastery or whatever, they're always going to have Beautiful. sort of a version where you can kind of join in. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's beautiful to go and sit, just sit and listen to it. Oh, yeah. If there's an abbey within driving distance, that could be a great way yep. to kind yep. of live both. No, exactly. And so I, I was going to read just the introduction to the, the Shorter Christian Prayer book. It says, In the Holy Spirit, Christ carries out through the church the work of human redemption and God's perfect glorification, not only when the Eucharist is celebrated and the sacraments are administered, but also in other ways, and especially when the Liturgy of the Hours is celebrated. In it, Christ himself is present in the assembled community, in the proclamation of God's word, in the prayer and song of the church. So mm. it's a beautiful way to gather with the church. You can be on an, uh, you know, an island somewhere in the middle of the Pacific all by yourself, Praying with the church. Wow. See, there's something beautiful about that. So, Liturgy of the Hours is a great thing to do. And if you want to be a deacon, we have some shows about that. We do. Yeah, help discern that process. And yes, you might want to learn how to do the Liturgy of the Hours because you'd be doing it every day if you you became a deacon. And we'll pray for you, Matthew, and for everyone out there who's got some kind of vocation. God's calling every one of us. God wants us uh, to to love him and uh, wants us to receive his love. And so, Matthew, anything you can do to, to help that process along, anything we can do for you, you just let us know. Thanks for the email again. And let's ask our Mother Mary to pray for Matthew and for ourselves. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.